I would like to welcome back my listener to WTF Politics and Other Stuff Too. My name is Vic, and today I'm going to talk about the State of the Union Address from April 28th. I'm only going to play one clip from the speech as it was so flat and utterly boring and devoid of any real substance. Okay, President Biden addressed a scaled-down Congress and Senate on his 100th day in office. Only two people were permitted in the chamber when he made his address. Uh, Since you all are vaccinated and quick to claim victory about all these vaccinations, why are you still wearing masks and why only 200 people? Please don't tell me you're scared to take them off because if this vaccine is so great, why are you wearing the mask? Whatever. Has to be either you have no faith in the vaccine or you're still trying to keep the American public scared and try to keep them in line with your jacked up reality. I'm not going to go through the entire speech, but I'm going to hit some highlights starting with, you know, Biden's praise of Speaker Pelosi and Senator Schumer's superior leadership. What leadership? Steering America down the road to socialism? Honestly, what have they done? Please, I'd really love to know. Biden also spiked the football, claiming victory with 220 million vaccine doses administered in the first 100 days. You know, okay, granted, it's a nice accomplishment, but you didn't start it. You didn't get the ball rolling. Um, President Trump got this whole thing going, you fucking moron. And, you know, it takes time to ramp up to get to those kind of numbers. But, you know, you know what? Go ahead and, you know. Claim victory for that, because everyone really knows who started this crap. And he is claiming 1.3 million new jobs in the first 100 days. More, more jobs in the first 100 days than any other president, he says. Okay, what jobs were cre- What was created? If you created 1.3 million new jobs in just 100 days, it would be all over the news. I haven't heard word one about this. Sorry, but I have to call bullshit. Biden is also claiming the American Jobs Plan is a once-in-a-generation investment in America itself. It's the largest plan since World War II. It creates jobs to upgrade our transportation infrastructure, jobs modernizing our roads, bridges, highways, jobs building ports and airports and rail corridors and transit lines. Okay, but what about all this other bullshit that's being stuffed into this, like climate action? I mean, liberals really can link climate change to fucking everything. They're claiming infrastructure is caregiving, affordable housing, police accountability, expanding the Supreme Court, paid leave, child care. Wow, that's, that's, you know what, I don't even know what to comment on or say about that i I just i have to laugh i mean just wow i did not realize that infrastructure was that expansive you know but the new oxford american dictionary defines infrastructure as the basic physical and organizational organizational structures and facilities example buildings roads power supplies needed for the operation of a society or enterprise Huh. Okay, so maybe it doesn't include all of that other stuff. 
Sounds like the pork bellies are making a fast return yet again. Uh, in regards to taxes, he stated, quote, I will not impose any tax increase on people making less than $400,000. But it's time for corporate America and the wealthiest 1% of Americans to just begin to pay their fair share. Just their fair share, end quote. Okay, you know, I agree that some tax lope, a lot of tax loopholes need to be closed. But when you start talking about raising taxes on those wealthy people, they're simply going to move their money out of the country. You know, like you've claimed before, they're just going to move it overseas so they don't get it taxed to death like they already do. That's just more money leaving the country. And you should really take a hard look at some of your donors. See where most of their money is. Bet you it's not here. I bet you it's overseas. Uh, President Biden says the IRS is going to crack down on millionaires and billionaires who cheat on their taxes. It's estimated to be billions of dollars by a think tank, you know, left, right, center. All these think tanks think this. Okay, again, what does this mean for all your millionaire and billionaire friends that are going to cough? Are they going to cough up their fair share? How about all those Silicon Valley elites that love you so very much? And here's one. I'm going to grab one from the past. What about Al Sharpton? He has owed so much money to the IRS, but yet have they gone after him? Have they done anything to try and collect it? Nope, not a thing. And are they going to? Probably not a chance in hell. And then he claims the big tax cut of 2017. Quote, remember, it was supposed to pay for itself. That's how it was being sold and generate vast economic growth. Instead, it added $2 trillion to the deficit. Um, I got to disagree there. Uh, jobs were on the rise. Unemployment was at its lowest rate. Uh, if you remember that thing called, uh, oh, what was it? What was it? Uh, COVID hit and devastated the, well, pretty much the world. And, uh, you know, Trump put out the first American rescue plan. If you want, let's just call it that, you know, the one, the ones, your buddies in Congress and the Senate packed with all of their wet dream wishes. I mean, he, he just really doesn't get it. He talks about his discussions with world leaders. You know, he's saying my conversations with world leaders and I've spoken to 38, 40 of them. Now I've made it known that America is back. Back from what? Did we go away? Maybe we went away wasting the American, American tax dollar, you know, for inept causes and flipping the bill for countries while the rest of the world sat on the sidelines does that mean we're back and going to start pumping money into those causes yet again? That's right. We stopped pumping money into causes that America received nothing for in return. Now, I'm not saying that we need to, every dollar we spend, we need to get a return on the investment. You know, I believe in some charity. However, like the 2017 Paris Accords, you know, back when Trump pulled out, we had spent $10 billion on this thing already. And, uh, you know, some of the biggest offenders of carbon output, namely China, India, they paid zero. Where, where's the just and fair rationale in that? I, I don't see it. Something's inherently wrong there. I mean, this is just one, you know, one example. I mean, our glorious leader has stated that the climate crisis is not our fight alone. 
It's a global fight. The United States accounts, as all of you know, for less than 15% of carbon emissions. The rest of the world, 85%. That's why I've kept my commitment to rejoin the Paris Accord. Again, here goes more money down the fucking drain. So I guess we'll flip the bill for that again like we did in the past. Per the status quo, the United States will carry the rest of the world with the mighty dollar. You know, forget about taking care of its own citizens first. I mean, okay, I'm going to move on to the next topic. This one really kind of pisses me off. President Biden claims terrorism is the biggest threat to America. Domestic terrorism, that is. Really? That is what you and your disciples think? He says, we won't ignore what our intelligence agents have determined to be the most lethal terrorist threat to our homeland today. White supremacy is terrorism. We are not going to ignore that either. My fellow Americans, look. We have to come together to heal the soul of this nation. It was nearly a year ago before her father's funeral when I spoke to Gianna Floyd, George Floyd's young daughter. Okay, you jump. Domestic terrorism, you're linking to George Floyd. So are you saying that the police around the country are the biggest threat to America? Are they all just a bunch of white supremacists and now they're terrorists? But only if they're white? You subtly lumped them into the death of George Floyd. How did white supremacy come into the come into play with George Floyd? I'm curious. How many white supremacy domestic terror attacks have occurred in America versus foreign non-white supremacist terrorist attacks? You like to throw numbers out to favor your narrative. What are those numbers? He moves on to talking about working with Republicans. Now this one's a real doozy. Quote, I know Republicans have their own ideas and are engaged in productive discussions with Democrats in the Senate. We need to work together to find a consensus. But let's get it done next month by the first anniversary of George Floyd's death. The country supports this reform and Congress should act. We have a giant opportunity to bend the arc of the moral universe towards justice. Real justice. Again, we got to throw George Floyd in there. And of course, you're saying, let's work together, but we all, no, you really don't mean it. It's, it's all for political show. You state the same thing, but you, I mean, you stated the same freaking thing before the elections and you're saying again now because you're kind of in trouble because you've really fucked up things. I mean, I know you're trying to appear as a moderate, but your cloak of deception is, is very evident. I, I know you're worried about the 2022 elections and it's going to be here before you know it. And your party has a lot to lose. And honestly, I hope you lose freaking big. Your comments on the southern border crisis is just amazing. You really have no clue as to what's going on. You stated we have to get at the root of the problem of why people are fleeing, particularly to our southern border from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. You know, the violence, the corruption, the gangs, the the political instability, hunger, hurricanes, earthquakes, natural disasters. Um, I, okay, I haven't heard too much about, well, any of that. I mean, except maybe some of the gangs, but uh, I haven't heard about any hurricanes and earthquakes in the first, you know, six months or natural, natural disasters. We all know the real reason that people are fleeing here. 
You, President Biden, opened the floodgates. You invited them. You know, why not come? They were invited. We're going to provide for them better than we care for a lot of our own citizens. Case in point, putting them up in freaking hotels after we kick out our own citizens that are homeless. We're going to provide them free health care. What's not to love about it? So this crisis is brought on by your own Democratic Party, the liberal elites that pull the strings because you're nothing but a fucking puppet. I mean, you nominate vice, the vice president to handle the southern border crisis, and she's not done a damn thing. Again, she, I don't know if she actually went, because I don't remember, down to South America to get at the root of the problem. What a bunch of bullshit. The only comment she's made that she's not going to play political games. You know, some speculate to mean that she's not, you know, going to go down there for a photo op, you know, like that. AOC did that phony fucking photo op when Trump was in office. In my opinion, if when you go down there and actually take a look at the problem firsthand, I mean, I doubt many will call that a photo op. The Republicans have written you letters stated on TV that you should go down there and see it firsthand. So go down there and see what a tremendous clusterfuck it has become because of your administration's freaking failed policies and start coming up with you know, answers that work. Whew. Wow, that was heavy. I got lightheaded on that one. And his closing remarks. They're so moving. You know what? I'm just going to play the closing remarks clip. It's about four minutes and 19 seconds, but I spiced it up a little bit. You know, if you only listen to a part of it, just listen to about the first 15 seconds, and maybe the last 30 seconds. I think you'll get a, get a nice uh, little laugh out of it. But uh, that. You know, take a listen. Look, in conclusion, as we gather here tonight, the image of a violent mob assaulting this capital, desecrating our democracy, remain vivid in all our minds. Lives were put at risk, many of your lives. Lives were lost. Extraordinary courage was summoned. The insurrection was an existential crisis, a test of whether our democracy could survive, and it did. But the struggle is far from over. The question of whether our democracy will long endure is both ancient and urgent. As old as our republic, still vital today. Can our democracy deliver on its promise that all of us, created equal in the image of God, had a chance to lead lives of dignity, respect, and possibility? Can our democracy deliver the most, to the most pressing needs of our people? Can our democracy overcome the lies, anger, hate, and fears that have pulled us apart? America's adversaries, the autocrats of the world, are betting we can't. And I promise you they're betting we can't. They believe we're too full of anger and division and rage. They look at the images of the mob that assaulted the Capitol as proof that the sun is setting on American democracy. But they're wrong. You know it, I know it. But we have to prove them wrong. We have to prove democracy still works, that our government still works, and we can deliver for our people. In our first hundred days together, we've acted to restore people's faith in democracy to deliver. We're vaccinating the nation. We're creating hundreds of thousands of new jobs. We're delivering real results to people. They can see it, feel it in their own lives. Opening doors of opportunity, guaranteeing some more fairness and justice. That's the essence of America. That's democracy in action. 
Our Constitution opens with the words, as trite as it sounds, we the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government, you and I, not some force in a distant capital, not some powerful force that we have no control over. It's us. It's we the people. In another era, when our democracy was tested, Franklin Roosevelt reminded us in America, we do our part. We all do our part. That's all I'm asking. That we do our part, all of us. And if we do that, we will meet the center challenge of the age by proving that democracy is durable and strong. Autocrats will not win the future. We will. America will. And the future belongs to America. As I stand here tonight before you in a new and vital hour of life and democracy of our nation, And I can say with absolute confidence, I have never been more confident or optimistic about America. Not because I'm president, because of what's happening with the American people. We've stared into the abyss of insurrection and autocracy, pandemic and pain. And we, the people, did not flinch. The very moment our adversaries were certain we'd pull apart and fail, we came together, we united. With light and hope, we summoned a new strength, new resolve to position us to win the competition of the 21st century. On our way to a union more perfect, more prosperous, and more just as one people, one nation, and one America. Folks, as I told every world leader I've ever met with over the years, It's never, ever, ever been a good bet to bet against America, and it still isn't. We're the United States of America. There's not a single thing, nothing, nothing beyond our capacity. We can do whatever we set our minds to if we do it together. So let's begin to get together. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you for your patience. Such prolific words. I'm so inspired. I mean, that's going to resonate with us forever. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's just so utterly ridiculous that you mentioned the Capitol riots. No mention of all the cities your liberal Democratic leader friends let burn and did nothing to stop. But yet now you're throwing money at them like there's no tomorrow. You're pushing the radical left narrative and you're blaming white supremacy, a racist system that, by the way, was designed by you and your friends, the Democrats, to help you and yourself, President Biden. And my biggest question is, since when did we the people mean the government? I always thought that we the people meant the citizens, not the government. Well, I guess when you're on the left, you want big government there. Well, you know, now you got it, people. All you who voted for him, now you got it. All right, that's all That's all I'm going to say for today. Listening to that speech was one of the most painful moments of my life. I had to have a double espresso just to make sure I stayed awake. I mean, I love that they chose the, you know, the 100th day for this speech. It makes it so poignant. Um, nothing but a marketing ploy, but anyone with half a brain will see that whole speech as nothing but a bunch of hot air and you know him trying to pitch government taking more control and taking more of your money. And of course, you know, 
blaming all the problems in America on anything but the root cause of the problem, namely the radical left. And I'm not even going to get into China or Russia with you because that would take way too much time. Yeah, I'll discuss Russia and China at a later time. China will probably be its own podcast because there's so much material for that. Okay, I'm rambling now. You know, hey, thanks for listening to me ramble. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, download button, or whatever the button may be these days, as it seems to be changing. As always, I encourage you to do your research on the issues, get involved. The time for staying silent is over. Again, get involved, make your voice heard. Have a great day, and God bless America.